0: In chapter 6 and verse 3 of Galatians, Paul writes, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he has nothing, he deceives himself. And I'm going to try to explain that verse just for everybody here shortly. Let's pray first. Father God, I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity to come and to share tonight, Father God, because I I need this tonight, Father God. And there's some things I've got to get off my chest, things I've got to work out. And I'm just thankful, Father God, that I've got this. This, this faithful church, Father God, this forum, these friends, this family, Father God, that come together and we study together. And so I can come in and not have to be scared, Father God, to share my heart or my experiences or my doubts or my fears, but I can come in and I can say, God, what's really burning inside me. And that if it's wrong, Father God, I have the chance to be corrected lovingly gently by a brother or sister father God at the same time if it's right there's a there's a potential father that that lives can be changed because that's what I want more than anything else father God I want that evidence um, that we're on the right path that comes from seeing people seeing people's lives radically changed just before my eyes Father God. I love you and I praise you, Father God. I thank you for the cross, for the gift of Jesus, his precious blood, God, which saves us from our sins. But I also thank you, Father God, for the loving church that you brought together here. Um, And, Father God, I pray, God, that I'm doing what's right by it, that all the pastors are doing what's right by it and for it, and that we're always seeking you, Father God, in all our leadership. And I pray, God, that you start to do those things, Father God, that only you can do in our midst, Father. We pray for that now, Lord. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Now, as I was uh, kind of praying over this tonight, and I added a few things at the end that aren't going to be in your copy of the notes I gave you last week. Don't worry about that. I can give you a new copy if you need. I just didn't run any tonight. Um, There were some things I wanted to sort of think about here. Um, As I was standing in the back back there, jotting down some notes, just some things that I've been sort of stewing over since Sunday and I hadn't had a chance to write down yet. And I was, you know, just watching everybody. Um, I realized that one of those weird things is, is that whether we want to admit it or not, we are a fantastic Wednesday night church. star. just are. I think we're happier on Wednesday night than any other time. Wednesday night for us, just in our, the way we we live seems to make sense for us a lot more than weekend church does. It doesn't mean that that weekend church is bad. It doesn't mean that we neglect that. We've got to get that right. And part of what I'm going to talk about as we open tonight is, how do we get those things right that don't seem to always be right? How can, we, how can the weekend look more like this? This is madhouse. I get it. But it's energetic and it's enthusiastic. And I think most people come on Wednesday nights and leave thinking, I kind of needed that. I do all the time. I do all the time. Um, I need Wednesday night more than I feel pressure about Wednesday night. I feel some pressure because I want it to be better. I want when I come in and I talk to you guys and I preach, I want it to be as as I want my maximum effort coming in line with God's you know God's uh, will and God's purposes. Okay, I want that. Um, i think all the pastors do um but so i'm so I'm, I'm i'm struggling in that area but at the same time i'm thinking man i wish that we could capture that energy for a sunday i wish we could capture that we should capture that feeling it's not it's not just the kids it's all of us it's not just the kids i've been here for 12 years it's not just the kids it's the, it's the it's the grown-ups too okay so now having said that um, i want to go a couple places before we get back to finishing up our Bible study, prayerfully the last one in this series, and we move on to, 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 to bigger things and better things next week. Um, first thing I had was, there in verse 3, I think it's kind of the gateway for some concerns that I have. And what is it, for anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now this is not just, Julie, this is not just an incursion against you or I being kind of overcome with a kind of arrogance You know, that kind of old-fashioned, no offense to everybody, Baptist hypocrisy. And what I mean is we act like we're just perfect and better than everybody else. We all know people in the church. Baptists don't have a copyright on that. We all know people who are like that. You know, famously the Dana Carvey church lady kind of character. Do you know what I mean? That pretty much just judged everybody, right? just looks down on the whole world. Alright? You've got to be old enough, I guess, to know who that was. I apologize for anybody who does not know. So Matthew, you know who that is? Isn't that special? Okay, isn't that special? Isn't that special? She said all the time. Or he said it was him and drag. Okay, um, said, I can't believe I said drag in my sermon, but that's what it is. <laughs> They're that kind of church. Um, uh, I wouldn't even ask Lucas to edit that out. It's just me. I can't help it. Um, But we all know people like that. I'm talking about the inverse of that. And what I mean by the inverse of that statement is we oftentimes see that in others. I was watching Brian. and, And I don't get to watch me, but they watch me. We can climb in the pulpit and be so confident. Do you understand what I mean? It's like, if you've ever seen, the way I used to talk about preaching this way was, if you've ever seen a great sprinter, especially in a, what I call a real race, like a 200 meter or 400 meter race, and you look and you think, their footsteps look scripted. When I run, I run like something's chasing me. All over the place. They run like every foot Joe is landing exactly where they want to. And I bet you can measure them, and I bet where that line is, a footstep isn't, isn't a half inch off that line. They run smooth and they run effortlessly. All right, like every like it's scripted, like every footstep is planned ahead of time. And I tell you, some of our guys can get up there. I'm, I'm sure I can on occasion. Brian can, Kyle can. Who you get, man? Man, my goodness, this guy's. That sounded like he had rehearsed that a thousand times. It was just about. Perfect. Now, it's not. In, in, in theological, eternal ways, it's not. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sound puffed up about this, but we can feel and look so confident up there. But you ought to see us in the, in the office sometime. Together. We are basket cases. Alright? We are three men barely holding it together. Just because that can look so ready it doesn't mean that these men are ready. Because we're oftentimes not. And the very man who preached the devotion tonight, who was so masterful in his topic, can be crying in the office tonight before we go home. All right, they can be. So don't be deceived by that in the thinking that we have it all, because we're not. We're not like that. Hence, part of the reason why everything this, this Bible study is important, more important now, I think, than I ever thought it was in all the 12 or whatever came before this, to realize how important this was. More important for us and more important for you. The reason why this course of study is so vital is because we do not go through life like Brian preached that sermon. We go through life stumble-bummed. We go through life ready to trip on a on an untied shoelace at any moment. This is vital because anybody in this room can fall tomorrow. Do not think you can't. Do not lie to yourself and tell you somehow you've got this sewn up because you do not have it. You do not. You are a disaster. That is only averted by the will and purpose of God and the support and the love of those in your family. I mean this family of God. That goes, begins with the pastors and it ends with the most junior member. We are vital and needed because we cannot take one out. It's, it's that house of cards. Remove that one and it may just tumble. So it's needed. Now along that line before we delve deeper into this i want to share four concerns with you and these have kind of been brewing since sunday and they came together literally in the green ink of this pen in the back corner back there so that's how long this was on my heart until i had the words for it um one i do not speak of myself but i will say this the other guys will say this to my face And I trust them with my life, and so therefore I trust them with their opinions about me. And that is, I've never really been in a church that preached the way ours preaches. I don't just mean we're weird, Katie, because we kind of are, I get that. But what I mean is this, is that I've heard a lot of guys preach who led churches, and they don't preach the way Brian or Kyle preaches. Not even close. I don't just mean they're a little better. I mean, we got guys preaching here that, that, that are oftentimes amazing in the pulpit. And I don't even include myself. They say those things about me to me. I'm saying those things about them to you. Because they're not in the room. Alright? Because they're, they're safely away at the same time i don't i'm i'm afraid it's not changing us do you understand what i mean by that is that if the preaching is at this level i don't always see us rising to that level the preaching's not about filling time. And it's not about sounding good. And it's not about you walking away saying, man, that was just great. It's not about that. Preaching is about changing lives. Having lives come in conformity with the work. If the work's really valid, I don't mean because we're so great. Because I don't want to talk you into anything. As I've said many, many times, the old preacher told me, whatever I talk you into, Satan will talk you out of. It's not about me talking you into things. It's about our praying and studying and 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 sermons coming together through sweat and tears and and coming in, you're coming in contact with that, and God shaking your world so that you walk out that door and do things differently than you would have done them before you heard that sermon. Now I understand, Miss Jane, that it's not sometimes it's instantaneous. It's it's it just it's an earthquake. But more than not, it's a chipping away. You see what I mean? That your perspective, your ideas change slowly over time. And you wind up in different places than you ever would have been without that dedication and that preaching. And you wind up in different places. But it's it's you know, you don't know you're on that journey, really. You don't realize it until God's brought you somewhere. And then you realize all those. Bible studies and the preaching and those books and everything that you were guided through by that preaching, teaching leadership has brought you to a place that God wants you but you didn't know. And I think it's safe for us to say that and it's, it's okay for me to take a little bit of a breath that we could be on that journey and I'm not even realizing that people are moving in that direction. Because we tend to get caught up in the flashbang of big. Do you know what I mean? The flashbang of church colliding with concert And it just feels so energetic, right? But it's not any more in momentum or in velocity than, than we're having right now. Quiet. All right. Because it's about changing hearts and not just about getting people to their feet. All right. It's it's about hearts changing radically. But still, I'm concerned that I don't I can't measure it. I can't measure it. So that leads us to the second point. It's not about you. It begins with me and Kyle and Brian. Everything that is wrong with our church begins with pastoral leadership and lay leadership. Understand that? Leaders, everything that's wrong begins with us. And everything that's right begins in the, in the pew. Okay? It's not that we're not important. It's just that, Joe, we're uniquely responsible that's the difference, is that we're gonna stand before God and answer for you. For you. So so I'm looking first in the pastor's office, and then I'm looking in the deacon room. But I want to say this, leads us to our second point I think is more vital than the first. Preaching and teaching, no matter how theologically sound, biblically faithful is not enough without prayer but with prayer it changes the heart of the church and that's when literally I, I have to confess this and this is all feels so thrown together but I think it's just ruminated since Sunday night okay um, I consistently come to church on Wednesday nights and forget my iPad like every time. But as Lucas will explain to you, I used to try to preach from like my phone when I'd forget that. But my phone will stubbornly connect to the tower like, ping the tower like a thousand times. And the the tape recorder here is so sensitive it will record that and come over as some kind of noise, right? Pretty much, that's my thumbnail sketch of what Lucas could explain so wonderfully. (laughs) Just to be honest with you, okay? He can explain so wonderfully. I'm pretty much repeating what he said to me when he told me not to do it anymore. Okay. So, so, so in a, and remember, in a nice Lucas way. So you didn't realize he was telling you not to do it until later. Oh, Lucas was tell me not to do that anymore. Incredibly nice guy. That's just the bottom line. Incredibly nice guy. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I consistently, uh, forget it. All right. And, um, as I was kind of walking over to get it tonight, I'm walking back and I become immediately convicted that we just simply don't pray enough for this to work. For the preachers, and I speak for them, so much time and effort goes into just producing one of those. I mean, my Wednesday at Bible studies are a lot of talky like this. I get it. But you've seen the notes I give you. I give you a chapter from a book every Sunday morning, don't I? Quite literally. In fact, a pastoral friend of mine wants me to send them. He's talking about, it, said, this, you know, these are, this is a book here. You know that, don't you? And I'm like, I don't know. Think like that. Because I don't think, who would want to read a book from this? Nobody. Y'all. It'd sell 25 copies. Y'all would buy it to make me feel better. <laughs> Okay. Oh, poor brother Tony. His book, nobody wants that book. It's just terrible. But we'll buy one. I'm, I'm, already, I'm embarrassed thinking about it. It doesn't even exist. And I'm already embarrassed thinking about this book. It's humiliated inside. And it, it, it literally it's not there. You can go nowhere and buy this book. This book is literally a dream. And and so, you know, you see, I mean, hours and hours, literally, I get finished like, like minutes before it's time to come and preach it. I, we slave over these things. You know, if you've ever had tried to print Brian Means' notes for him, I mean, they're, they're miles long, guys. These guys are really pouring over it. And so here's the point. The point is this, is that it takes so long just to get it down, and you're so nervous, just Kimberly, about it being solidly theologically sound and biblically accurate. That it's so easy for what goes on here to just kind of go unprayed for. Do you understand what I mean? Now that's where you come in. Because if the men who are preparing it are literally working to the last second, it doesn't leave time. Somebody's got to pray for its success. And we're, I'm not saying we don't, we, we don't have a responsibility to pray for this. I'm telling you, if we do all the preaching and all the praying, something's going to give. And I believe oftentimes it gives. I believe oftentimes it's already given. Um, i be honest you, I walked down the pulpit the last couple of times. There are times I know I'm not very good. Every preacher has those feelings. When they walk, they get up and they're like, no, no. no. Many times I've realized i preached things that were, just to be quite blunt with you, too much for me. Do you tell what I mean? I wasn't big enough. I wasn't grown up enough yet to preach that. God called on me to preach it, probably, Mike, as a lesson to me. You think you got it? Try this. You think you got that down? Preach this topic and see how you fail. Go down in flames and now he can work with you because you're humbled again. You're humbled. But I also know there are times in which I close the Bible and I realize I don't think I could have done any better than that. Now look, I, I'm, not, I'm not being critical. Don't, don't get me wrong. This is not criticism. This is reality. And the reality is if I or Brian or Kyle get up there and we do everything we literally are supposed to do and it just doesn't carry to the back pew. the element that's missing has to be prayer. Alright? Either that or you're all so complete we need to find something else to talk about. Now, we don't think that's true. I mean, I'm not I'm being critical. We know, we know we all need work in this room. We know we do. We all need work in this room. So if there's something that's breaking down in this, it's just simply the fact that we are not praying as we ought to over every over every pew, over every member, over every visitor. We're just forgetting possibly the most essential element to the success of this enterprise. And that is supplication and petition to God that He would bless it. That He would bless it. So, those two things now. Three. I have to ask this question. And this is of everybody here. It begins with me, because of all the things I crunched over, guys. That this has hurt me the most, and it's hurt me personally. Not, not I said, not me in any way. This is not rebuke. It's concern, but it's not rebuke. And that was first off. Are our lives the part, uh, part of a vibrant ministry of the word? And that means excuse me, that means just what starts there or here or in your Sunday school class and that is still one of those weird things Is I can't tell you how many times I come out here and I talk about something and I find that one of the Sunday school classes talked about that day and, and there was no way that they would have known because I don't tell you ahead of time in fact, I don't always know ahead of time serious heart attack, I don't always know ahead of time there's no way I could let anybody know that, that God is arranging that. Uh, all all the messages to kind of line up. The songs we sing to, to to line up perfectly with what God's doing. However, does what's said here in the pulpit or in the Sunday school class or in the Wednesday night or in a in a in a small group devotion or however you're meeting and all of that done together is is your life A response to what you are hearing preached here. Okay? Or is your life separate from the word that's preached and driven by other factors? Your passion for this or your passion for that. Now it's again that's not to mean not to be critical. Because people are going to have outside passions. Kimberly's going to be passionate about things that maybe all the rest of us are not. And that's a Kimberly, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, essentially. Nothing wrong with that. The, the, the issue I'm asking is this, is are things that are said here ensconced in the truth, imbued with God's power to the point that they're sticking in Stephen's heart, and now he's going out that door and doing things differently that he would not have done if he had not heard that sermon. Now, um, I will compare that to a time in our... To be honest with you, when things were much more complicated in this church. I'll never forget coming in to literally... And I've never had to do this not before or since coming in to what I feel was address an untruth that was being told concerning my preaching and Kimberly got saved. The intention for that was not for Kimberly's salvation. The intention for that was for me to address something that was being kind of told in the community that was mischaracterized and inaccurate and that simply put the people were saying it didn't have a clue what they were talking about. What I got out of that was something I never envisioned or imagined, to be honest with you. But that was one of those times when exactly what I'm talking about. The Word had a life and a purpose of its own, and it got into the heart of a young woman, and things changed. Radically changed. Life's different now. That's the way it's supposed to be for us, even on this side of the cross was that the Word can never become, the Word preached, guys, can never become such a luxury that it no longer functions as any necessity for us. Oh, it's just preaching. That's okay. No, it's not. Like I said, it may be now that And I've never ruled this out. I I talk to men about preaching all the time. One of the things I say is that just when I get in this kind of rhythm, brother Rudy, and I know, kind of, and I and I can, I can produce a sermon that seems to make a lot of sense all right, seem to have the right organs, everything that I, that I would want a sermon to have, just when I kind of get in that rhythm and I can feel that time start, you know, that it takes to produce them start to kind of dwindle down, you know, you're getting good at it. Just when that happens, God immediately convicts me and He changes how I want to produce those. And I go back to taking forever to get it done. Feeling that tension at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning that it may not be where it needs to be. That every time I feel like I'm getting good at what I'm doing, God just pulls the rug out from under me in terms of preparation. Because, And I'm just saying that to say this, because I believe that it's vital that first off I listen, that first off our pastors listen, but that we have a vital mission here. As much as we preach, and oftentimes as long as we preach, to be honest with you, I believe... It is what God wants. I've never been more convinced, I am at this very, very moment, that I'm as as inadequate as I often feel, as totally inadequate as I feel as your pastor, that especially the preaching and teaching ministry is absolutely vital for you to become the people of God that God intends you to be. So, if our preaching isn't stirring us, To go and be to to be to live for Christ in vital ways. If you're being stirred by other things, then that leads to number four. I have to answer at this question. This is the one for you. Um, Is before I go any farther, I'll get just a few minutes. It's taken a lot longer than I ever thought it would. To be honest with you, but heart was full tonight, and I'll go with it. Um, Does our preaching, teaching, for you, answer those big questions? Big questions. Now, I don't want to. I didn't even write down. Look, I'll show you. Look, I didn't write down the big questions. Okay, did said this is the big question? Because I don't know what your big question is. I know for me, for me, you know, um, I, I would never make not make, never make disparaging comments about my brother pastors. But in some ways, I never thought I would be the practical one in any group. But I'm sometimes really the practical one. Okay. I'm really, and something very, very practical. And I think it's partly because I've been uh, in the room, I've been the Southern Baptist for way the longest. I mean, I've been a Southern Baptist since the 19th. So I've been a Southern Baptist for 32 years now. Long time, been in the Southern Baptist Church. Not, not nearly as long as some of you, but still 32 years is a pretty long time. And I seem to know my people pretty well. And, and I, what I've always felt. The Southern Baptist want to know was one thing. God, what do you want me doing? It's not always how we feel. It's not about, you know, it's not about, you know, these deep mystical experiences. But Julius, just what do you want out of me, God? Where am I? What am I supposed to be doing? What's my thing? What am I supposed to be busy with? Where do you want me to go, God? I think that's a huge question. And I think everybody in this room, whether you've been a Southern Baptist for five minutes or, or 50 years, it doesn't matter. I think everybody in this room has exactly that same question kind of stuck in her craw all the time. Who am I supposed to be, God? Because one thing I know is this. I think maybe one of the reasons why there's a lot of angst in the church, and I'm not saying anger. I think there's angst. I think there's a lot of anxiety among believers. And I think the anxiety is this, is that we come and we sit down in our, in our pews on Sundays and we don't feel busy. Do you understand what I mean? We don't feel like the church is that launching pad for lives. We feel like the church is kind of a holding pattern sometimes. Almost like we're waiting for the eastern sky to split and those doors to be thrown open. And we'll just kill time here. I was talking to a kid today. And what she said was, what you hear a lot, which is, but you know, I thought heaven was just going to be us worshiping all the time. And I said, you know, um, I'd be the first to admit that I don't think I will be bored with heavenly worship. Because I don't think, Jane, any of us have ever heard heavenly worship. No offense, worship Jane. Fantastic. But... But the truth is, the truth is, you know, choirs of angels and, and, you know, seraphim singing holy, holy, holy. Wow. When the supernatural worships, I'm like, it's got to be fantastic. It does. But even I would say, Stephen, that just standing there for eternity with my hand in the air. It does sound good. But even when you say it, it sounds like, isn't there more? Isn't eternity supposed to be deep and rich and not monotone? Or worse than that, monochrome? Do you know what I mean? Black and white TV? Isn't it supposed to be intense, technicolor, bright? It's supposed to be, right? Which is that. Which reminds me of this, is that even here with preaching, Glenda, and worship... Those things are supposed to be preparations to go out and do fantastic things with our lives. The deal is this, Jan, is that you come and you sit here and you listen to us rant and rave for 45 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes or whoever's in the pulpit at the time, to be honest with you. all right. When you hear that, it's because what you get out of it is a heart so full that you're going to now go out and do things that... That you never even thought of. You're gonna pack your bags and go to foreign countries. You're gonna walk next door to your neighbor with a casserole. Just for the opportunity to share the gospel. You can go inner city places armed with just the Bible for the hope of making making converts to the cross. That so all those things you never really do, you never step outside your zone. To do the preaching and the teaching the Holy Spirit and His power stirs us to do. Now of those other big questions, I'm 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 almost finished. I'm almost finished. But of those other big questions, if you're sick, if you're sick, there's a question for preaching to answer. There's a question there. What's the purpose in this God? It's fair question to ask. If you're sick, if you're dying, it's a fair question. God, what do you want out of this season of my life? The one thing I've talked about many senior adults with in, in my time is the, the, the mystery of, of, of our, our work in the church. One of those mysteries is how we explain to people how to live joyously and triumphantly in every single season that God brings them to. How are you triumphant when you're single? How are you triumphant when you're newly married and poor? How are you triumphant when you're a brand new parent? How are you triumphant when you're a grandparent? How are you triumphant if you're old and you're alone at home? How are you triumphant in every one of those circumstances? Another one of those huge questions that God answers for us. That God answers for those questions. And then we do that through preaching. Who am I? How do I deal with my faults? How do I deal with my problems? How do I surrender? How about bitterness? our grudges? Anybody here ever hold a grudge? Topic for preaching. What do we do with this? What do we do with, with Mr. Dolores, those spare emotions, many of the ones we want to hide, we want to deny. What do we do with those things? So so much here. There's so much. Now the question I would ask is this, are we, are we answering this for you? And if we're not, hey, say so. Say so. It's okay. You're not interfering to say, Look, I've been struggling with this. I don't mean we've got to preach a sermon about about Stephen, but it may, may very well be that that Tony and Stephen, or Brian and Stephen, or Kyle and Stephen, you sit down and talk, answer these questions, help you along the way. I want to I thank you for letting me share my heart tonight. Like I said it was unexpected. I really had been studying and preparing to do something radically different. And just to be honest with you, just over the days, God just said, burden me. Alright? The, the, I guess the homework would be this. We're going to keep preaching the best of our abilities. I'm going to ask you to help us shoulder the burden of prayer. Pray for Sunday. Pray for God to do extraordinary things. You know, long time ago, People who've been here as long as I have. I mean, you were here before I got here. But, but people who've been here faithfully the entire time I've been here. Um, the the, the term, I don't even remember who I was quoting at the time. What we've always prayed for in this church was for the supernatural to become natural. For those fantastic things that we know only God can do to become things that we see every single day that no day at First Baptist Church would be uneventful. But every day at First Baptist Church would be an extension of the power of God into the people of God for everybody to see. That's what we want. Let's pray. Father God, I love you and adore you. I thank you so much for the opportunity to come and share this, Father God. And I pray, God, that I have shared it rightly and faithfully and passionately, Father God. I understand, God, that it was, it was not extra biblical, Father God. It wasn't that at all. I pray it wasn't. But I understand, Father God, that these were the musings of the heart of a pastor who needed to share these things, Father God. And now we've got to go out, Lord, and I've got to find biblical answers to them. I've got to find biblical answers, Father God, for the things that that are troubling my heart right now. And I need to begin, Father. I've already begun. But I pray, Father God, that that your people pray, that they pray for me, they pray for our pastors, they pray for our worship leaders, they pray for for their leadership, Father God, and they pray, God, that, that mighty works can happen. Things are, are going on here, Lord. You're doing fantastic things. But, Father God, I just know. I just know, Father God, that, that this is just the very tiny tip of an, of an amazing uh, revival, God, that You want in our midst, but that we've got to be willing to, to submit ourselves and pray for to see the work that You are ready to do today, Father God. There's no lack of power. And there's no lack of willingness on your part, Father God. What is lacking is our petition. So I ask you, please, God, that we would pray, that we would unite to pray, that pastors would pray, that leaders would pray, that members would pray, that our women would pray, our men would pray, our children would pray, everyone would pray, Father God, for you to do those things that only you can do in our midst, Father. I want to see that, Father. I pray, God, that I will see that, Lord. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.